Hello, Mary Seed of Wisdom. This is Father Tim. So, unfortunately, today we had some technical difficulties and we can't bring you the normal podcast. So, Father Derek and I are huge fans of Bishop Barron. So, we're going to steal one of his homilies, one of our favorite homilies from uh, Bishop Barron. If you don't know, Bishop Barron, before he was a bishop, he was a priest here in Chicago. Awesome, awesome priest. He went to teach at the seminary and now he is a bishop out in Los Angeles and probably the most listen to a bishop in the United States and maybe even in the world. So Bishop Barron has his own podcast called Word on Fire. And if you are uh, really wanting to grow in your faith, just a suggestion, you can stop listening to this one and go listen to Word on Fire. No offense will be taken because he is awesome. But for now, enjoy this homily by Bishop Robert Barron. Peace be with you. Friends, what a privilege this week to hear from the book of Sirach. We don't hear all that often in liturgy from the book of Sirach, but it's wonderful. A text probably composed around the year 200 BC by a sage living in the holy city of Jerusalem. Now, what do we know about him? Not much, but we can garner from the text that he was a man deeply immersed in the Torah, in the law, in the Jewish traditions and the rituals of the temple. In other words, he was someone who got the Jewish thing from the inside. Well, what we find in our reading for this weekend is what I would call a wonderful encomium to the law. And this is typical. You find it, for example, in the famous Psalm 119. You find it throughout the uh, Old Testament. These, these hymns of praise, if you want, to the law. And as I've said many times before and in different contexts, Talk about law is problematic in our cultural setting, and we have a hard time in the understanding why anybody would sing a hymn of praise to the law. You know, we put this enormous store on freedom, and therefore for us, law, I mean, we get it, we get law, but it's a kind of necessary evil. It's a constraint upon freedom so as to allow, you know, other goods to be expressed, but you know, deep down, we kind of prefer there, there, there wouldn't be the law. that We just do what we want to do. But see, for biblical people, and, and the author of Sirach is a prime example of this, law is not intention with freedom, but rather it's the very ground of freedom. And, and this reading for today is a really good example of this principle. How do we get at it? God wants us to share his life. That's a basic biblical principle. But what is God's life? Well, it's a life of love, right? And love has to be a personal choice, right? Otherwise, it's not love. So, I mean, real love can't be coerced. If it is, it's just a, a simulation. It has to be chosen because to love is to will the good of the other, okay? So therefore, what's the law? What's the law? I put it this way. It's the means by which God is helping us to make the right choice. It's a kind of lure held out to freedom, not as a coercion. See, that would simply negate freedom. If the law is just kind of imposing itself and you have to, uh, behave this way or you'll die. Well, that's that's just a coercion to freedom. But the law is seen as a lure 
so that we might make the right choice because love has to be a choice. All right. With all that in mind, now listen to Sirach. If you choose, he says, to keep the commandments, they will save you. He has set before you, the here is God, fire and water. To whichever you choose, stretch forth your hand. Okay? The water is indeed held out to you, but it's got to be a choice. And if it's going to be a choice, then the fire has got to be present as well. Salvation is indeed held out to you. But see, if it's a choice, then damnation is present too. And again, this is not the result of God being cruel or capricious. I mean, that's just the wrong way to think about it. It's simply the nature of the beast if we're dealing with freedom. So, listen again to Sirach. Before man are life and death, good and evil, whichever he chooses will be given him. I think, everybody, one of the deepest truths of the spiritual life is being stated here. God so respects our freedom that he will allow us to experience life or death, good or evil. He will give us what we choose. See, and again, this is why speaking of God punishing us or God seeking retribution and all that is off the mark. Now, at this point, I'd like to bring in one of my great heroes, St. John Paul II. In his years as a moral philosopher, John Paul developed a subtle and rich anthropology at the center of which was a consideration of freedom. And as is well known, if you read those writings and then you read his sermons and speeches as John Paul II, he made the indispensable connection between authentic freedom and truth. So we know that. But for our purposes in this sermon, I want to focus on another aspect of his teaching. John Paul taught that free acts always accomplish two things. First, they determine what one will do in a particular situation. So, you know, I'm going to choose this or that. I'm going to choose to give this sermon or to have lunch. I I mean, I'm determining what I'll do in a particular moment. But secondly, and John Paul was especially interested in this, secondly, they contribute to the formation of the moral agent himself. Okay, so think of each act that you, you, you perform in the course of the day. You're choosing this or that. So I had mass this morning with uh, the poor Claire sisters here in Santa Barbara. Then I came back and I worked on uh, some sermons and speeches. Then I had a, a meeting with a, a priest from India. Now I'm here at my computer uh, recording this sermon. Each one of those represents a choice that I made. Before me was held out different options, and I chose to do these particular things. Okay, 
But secondly, and you might say more importantly, in each of those choices, I was also choosing the kind of person that I'm becoming, if that makes sense. Over time, with choice after choice, we make ourselves into particular kinds of persons. So if you choose over and over again the selfish path, you do all kinds of bad things, that's true, but also you're becoming a selfish person. If you choose over and over again the violent path, you do all kinds of bad things and hurt people. Yeah, that's true. But you also are becoming a violent person. If you choose over and over again the corrupt path, you're going to do all kinds of bad things. But more importantly, you're going to become a corrupt person. Okay? On the other hand, if you consistently choose the path of love, You'll do all kinds of good things. But more importantly, you're becoming a loving person. If you consistently choose the path of forgiveness, you're becoming a forgiving person. If you consistently choose the path of nonviolence, you're becoming a peaceful person. Okay. John Paul's idea here, of course, is part of an ancient tradition going back to uh, at least to Aristotle who spoke of character formation. That word is, is lovely, I think, character, character, comes from a Greek term that means brand. Isn't that good? See, thereupon hangs a tail, I think. You're forming your character. That means you're getting branded. A permanent mark is being placed upon you. And, and stay with the image of the brand for a second. You're gonna belong to somebody, right? When a cattle is branded by its owner, it means that owner has claimed it. To whom do you belong? That's a good question. Who's branded you? Okay. Now, in light of all this, Sirach, the law, freedom, becoming the person that we're becoming, in light of all that, I'd invite you to think about eternal life in perhaps a fresh way. Sometimes, I believe, we think of heaven as candy land, and by which I mean a sort of prize. Right? So there's this great prize, and some get it, some don't. Either you get into candy land or you don't. But see, I, I wouldn't think of heaven that way. Rather, heaven is best thought of as a way of life. It's a way of being. Namely, the divine life of love. That's what heaven is. Not Candyland, or oh, I, I get the prize, but rather it's a way of being. It's a, it's a way of living. And it is precisely the divine life, which is the life of love. Now, now, do you see something? How God cannot simply place us in heaven as though we were placing us in an amusement park. Rather, there's deep truth to the claim. And I'm not, I'm not gainsaying grace for a second here, but that we have to choose our way. For heaven is a life of love, 
And love is always a choice. Does that make sense, everybody? It, it, without gainsaying grace for a second, because grace is, is the lure held out to our freedom, for sure. But see, we have to choose our way, because heaven's a life of love, and love is always a choice. See, and this helps to explain all the drama of this life on earth. Do you ever wonder, like, why didn't God just get it over with and just put us all in heaven from the beginning? Well, see, the point is, we're not put here arbitrarily. Rather, we are here that we might be prepared for the life of heaven. This means we are here for character formation. Under the influence of grace and through the disciplining of the law. Law is not opposed to all this. Sirach sings the hymn of praise. Terrific. The law is what lures and, and, and guides our freedom toward love. So, what's the best way to prepare for heaven? Love now. Love now. That means each day, that means every moment. Do what the little flower told us. Choose the path of love every day, every moment. And you'll become the kind of person fit to live in heaven. Mary C's Quarantine is a Mary C's of Wisdom dynamic original podcast.